Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Today, I want to look with you at a story of one of the great friendships in human history. Uh, We'll look at what made it great and think about what it means for you and me. The story starts in 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. Uh, The next few chapters are about two of David's relationships. Uh, One of them is the relationship with Saul, which we looked at last week. Uh, David had been hired by King Saul, and we learned that he became envious of David and tried to kill him. And in the midst of that kind of hatred, David was given a gift, Uh, maybe the gift that human beings prize more than any other. Uh, He was given the gift of a friend. Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as much as himself. Another translation says, the soul of Jonathan was bound together with David. Think about that. I mean, these two men by all rights should have been rivals. Uh, They should have been at each other's throats because they were both warriors. Uh, We know David was a warrior, but Jonathan was also a warrior. In 1 Samuel 14, we're not going to take the time to read it today, but Jonathan took on a whole outpost of Philistines, virtually single-handedly, just him and his armor-bearer, and he defeated them entirely. Uh, Both of them were warriors. Both of them were quite strong-willed. Jonathan was the son of the king and an heir to the throne. Uh, He had been raised in a position to become king. David was gonna block Jonathan from his right and dream to be king. So what are the odds of a close relationship forming there? Not likely, but God gives the two of these men this wonderful gift, these two men that everyone would have been pushing to be enemies against each other are instead connected at the soul. And Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. And I'll tell you what I think. I think that friendship became an anchor for David's soul, uh, kind of a spiritual lifeline. Uh, Think about a passionate, strong man like David, enduring what he had to endure and not giving in to revenge or running away. And then we're told Jonathan made a covenant with David. A covenant's a, a binding agreement, a statement of commitment. I promise that whatever happens, like whatever my father does, whoever the people cheer for, regardless of which one of us is up and which one of us is down, you can count on me. I am for you. I'm your friend. This is my solemn vow. This is our covenant together. This is what the writer of scripture says. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Now, we don't do this kind of thing. You know, I don't go up to one of my friends and say, you know, you're a loyal, trusted friend. Here, have my pants. 
we don't do that, but they did. Uh, some scholars say that this was Jonathan's way of recognizing that David was being called by God to be the king. And so being the son of the king, Jonathan takes off his royal robe and gives it to David. And Jonathan takes off his sword, which is a sign of authority, and freely gives it to David. I think in this verse, John, in this verse Jonathan is saying something like this to David. David, when I look at you, I see a king, God's anointed one. And as my best friend, I want you to always remember who God made you to be. So every time you wear this robe and every time you hold this sword, I want you to remember what I see in you. Remember what God sees in you. Don't settle for anything else. Can you imagine how that impacted David? I mean, the commitment that Jonathan had for David was remarkable. I had coffee with a friend before making the decision to start Blue Oaks Church. And toward the end of that meeting, my friend reached into his bag and he pulled out a gift. Uh, it was a paperweight with a single sentence written on it. Uh, the statement was, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? And of all the sentences in the world, this one was the one that I needed to hear the most uh, because I knew God was calling me to start a church. I just wasn't sure I was willing to risk failing. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but just this one sentence touched so deep a place in me at just the right time. And then this friend said something like this to me, you know, I wanna give this to you because I believe God is calling you to something that you could easily shrink back away from for fear of failure. He said, you have gifts that God can use to make a big difference. It was just a paperweight. And I took that paperweight and I put it where I could see it every day. I still see it today. And I wonder what's the next thing I would attempt to do if I knew I could not fail? What would I attempt to do this year if I knew I could not fail? When a friend does that for a friend, I mean, it gets way down deep in your soul. And that's what Jonathan did for David. Now their friendship was never easy or convenient. Uh, it doesn't fit the model for the way a lot of people in our day talk about friendships. Uh, to sum it up, King Saul remained tremendously angry and he continued to try to kill David. And Saul hid his plans from Jonathan. And so David talks to Jonathan and Jonathan is in kind of a difficult place. Uh, he's loyal to David, but he wants to honor his father. And David says, Jonathan, your dad is trying to kill me. And Jonathan said, well, surely that's not the case or I would know. But Jonathan promises to find out the truth and to let David know. And then they make another covenant with each other. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. And then Jonathan went home to his father and he stood up for David before his dad as he found out the level of his dad's hatred against David. Uh, Jonathan was willing to risk everything uh, his future throne, his place in his family, uh, his father's hatred, even his life for his friend. Uh, there's no wonder like friendship. And then David and Jonathan were separated for some time 
Uh, they would meet only once more, as far as we know from scripture. Uh, 1 Samuel 23, King Saul once more tries to take David's life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Saul wouldn't admit it, uh, not even to himself. But Jonathan says, my father knows in his heart that this shall be so. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish, and they would never see each other again. Uh, Jonathan died soon after that in battle by his father's side, and that dream of David being the king and Jonathan sitting on his right and being second in the country would never come true. David would go on through a long life uh, without his friend, but that friendship marked David to his dying day. And I wonder how often through the years, David went back and pulled out that sword that Jonathan gave him. I wonder how often, uh, just in his private moments, David went back and pulled out that robe. Was it when he was alone and on the run or when he won a great victory? Maybe when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and he was dancing with all of his might or maybe when he was broken by his sin with Bathsheba. I wonder how often he went into the room and pulled out of the box where he kept what he'd been given. You know, the royal robe and the sword of a king that were now his, but at what a price. I wonder how often he did that and remembered his friend and remembered what his friend called him to. Many, many years later, when David was an old man, he said in 2 Samuel 9, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And we're gonna look at this next week because he finds Mephibosheth, who is Jonathan's crippled, frightened son. Uh, David seats him at his own table and treats him like his own son. Uh, it's an incredible story. Every time David looks at that boy, he remembers his friend and he remembers the covenant that nothing could break. Not rivalry, not ambition, not families, not war, not geography, uh, not separation, not political factions, not death itself. There's no wonder like the wonder of two souls being knit together in a covenant of God. There's no wonder like spiritual friendship. Well, that's the story. It's an amazing story. And of course it leads to a question. Can such friendship exist today? Are they meant for you and me? Is this just like an ancient story or is such a relationship available for ordinary people? Well, that's what we're gonna look at in the rest of our time today. Some of you hear the story of David and Jonathan and you identify with it. You've had friends who deeply encouraged you, were willing to risk for you, Friendships that left a mark on you. For others, you've longed for that kind of friendship for many years, but have yet to find it. Your desire is for community, and it's a result of being created in the image of God. We are created to be in community, spiritual friendships with others. 
As a church, we believe spiritual friendships and spiritual growth are linked. And that's why we desire everyone to be in a small group. We're preparing an eight-week all-church small group series on the core beliefs that are the foundation of spiritual growth. Each week, the Sunday message and group discussion guide will work hand-in-hand to explore and deepen our understanding of these eight core beliefs that guide us in a Christ-centered life. If you've never participated in a group, or it's been some time since you did, this is your opportunity to engage and join a group. We'll announce when registration opens, and groups will be online until we are able to meet in person. If you've experienced the power of a spiritual friendship, maybe the best next step in your spiritual growth is leading a group. Leading is really about facilitating great conversations in an environment that allows authentic relationships to develop. Or if you've led a group previously, now is a great time to lead once again and experience God working through you in the lives of others. If you'd like to know more about leading a group, head to blueoakschurch.org, click latest news, then scroll down to small groups, or simply text groups to 925-275-5520, and I'd love to connect with you. Let's rejoin Matt now as we learn more about spiritual friendships. All right, in the time that we have left, I want to pose some key questions about spiritual friendship. Uh, because I believe it's God's desire for you to go through life with this kind of relationship that can potentially have a huge impact on you. And the first question is this, what exactly is a spiritual friend? Uh, What's the difference between a good friend that happens to be a Christian and a spiritual friend? Uh, I'll give you a quick definition. A spiritual friend is an intimate, life-giving friend who helps me pay attention to God. A spiritual friend is an intimate, life-giving friend. I have joy when I'm with them and someone who helps me pay attention to God. And I'll tell you why I believe we need this so much. Because we suffer from something that might be called spiritual mindlessness. It's kind of a spiritual attention deficit disorder. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote about spiritual mindlessness when he wrote to the Church of Rome that people live in ignorance of the existence and presence of God. Uh, Mindlessness has to do with living without awareness, and we do it on many different levels. Uh, For example, have you ever been reading something and you get to the bottom of the page and you realize you have no idea what it is you just read? Or have you ever been listening to a teaching And all of a sudden your mind just kind of snaps to attention and you realize you have no idea what the teacher has been saying. Have you ever had that happen to you? Do you want me to repeat the question? A spiritual friend helps you pay attention to God. Uh, We have different kinds of relationships. Uh, This may help to illustrate for you what spiritual friends do. Let's say you have a problem at work. A mentor might give you some advice, you know, here's what you can do to solve the problem. Uh, An emotionally supportive friend might give you sympathy and understanding, you know, listen to you, maybe make you feel better. A therapist might help you diagnose what your pathology is in the whole deal. Uh, And these can all be helpful things. 
a spiritual friend will say to you, how is God speaking to you in this? How does God wanna be at work in your life through this? And how are you responding to him? It's a, a connection of the soul. It's a connection of one soul to another that helps a brother or sister pay attention to God. Now, a second question is this, if that's what spiritual friendship is, and if it's such a good thing, how can I find a spiritual friend? And I have some bad news for you. Uh, this is not something that's completely under my control or yours either. Uh, there's no spiritual drive-through window where you can just pull up your car and say, I'll take a spiritual friend, please, you know, supersize him. There's no uh, spiritualfriendship.com with next day delivery at your front door. Uh, there's an element of mystery where two people become friends. Jonathan did, and David discovered there was this sense of oneness. There was this joy uh, of being together. The relationship had this deep uh, want to factor and they had a way of bringing out the best in each other. Their souls were knit together. Friendship, when it happens, is a gift and you can't make it happen. It's a little like going to sleep. Uh, have you ever tried really, really hard to go to sleep? If and when sleep comes, it's a gift. But there are some things that you can do to open yourself up to receiving it. Uh, you can lay down on a comfortable surface. You can turn off the lights. You can close your eyes. You can put on a Blue Oaks podcast. And sooner or later, if you do these things, you'll open yourself up to sleep and then sleep will come. But it comes, at a, it comes as a gift. Well, spiritual friendship is kind of like that. Uh, you can't make it happen. Uh, there's an element of mystery to it. But there are some things that you can do to open yourself up to it. So let me talk briefly about three things you can do to open yourself up to spiritual friendship. Uh, the first thing is the search. And this involves prayer. Uh, maybe you just need to start by telling God about your desire and asking, God, would you send me a spiritual friend? Also put yourself in a place where you'll meet uh, candidates for spiritual friendship. I would say the best place is uh, serving on a team or uh, joining a small group. Uh, if you're not serving on a team or participating in a small group, it's gonna be difficult to find a spiritual friend. We need to put ourselves in a place where we'll likely meet candidates for spiritual friendship. And then a second thing to do is take a risk. Uh, if you find someone that you think might be a good spiritual friend, uh, take a relational risk with them. Uh, don't schedule a meeting with that person and say, I, I want you to be my spiritual friend. I, I wanna meet with you and be shaped by you and commit to uh, being with you every day for the rest of my life. Because if that person is healthy at all, uh, they'll run out of that meeting. And if they're not, uh, you're gonna end up in a worse shape than you already are. So go slow, be patient, test the relationship by taking a little relational risk. For example, if there's someone that you think could be a potential spiritual friend, uh, begin by uh, disclosing some area of struggle. Uh, maybe not the deepest area of your life, but uh, a significant struggle. And then watch how that person responds. Is there a level of empathy there? 
Uh, do they listen well? Or do they only want to focus on themselves? Uh, are they wise and discerning in their response? Or is there uh, kind of a judgmental spirit attached to them? Do they honor confidentiality? Uh, you need to have these kinds of questions in your mind as you take these uh, little relational risks. And be in conversation with God, asking him, God, help me to discern whether this risk and the response is such that I could take the next step. If there are some people in your life that you think might be good spiritual friendships, you need to start by taking some relational risks. Uh, schedule a time to get together. And again, don't ask for a long-term commitment at this point. Uh, just begin to open up about your life and see how that person responds. And then if you find that that person is trustworthy, share at a deeper level. But then there's a third thing that you do to open yourself up to spiritual friendship. And the writers of scripture call this making a covenant. Uh, our word for it might be just, just a commitment. A covenant is essentially a statement of commitment. And all relationships have covenants. Uh, we all have expectations and assumptions about how that relationship will work. Uh, some covenants are implicit uh, and unspoken. Other covenants are explicit. Uh, they're agreed upon, like the covenant between Jonathan and David. Uh, there's great value in making covenants explicit. Uh, when you make a covenant explicit, that can save hurt and help people become more intentional and deepen a relationship. Uh, it can help with conflict, uh, to resolve conflict when it comes up. It can clarify expectations. Uh, it can be real important in uh, marriages to have an explicit covenant. If you lead a small group at Blue Oaks, I wanna encourage you that a covenant is a very important uh, thing for your group. You ought to make a covenant with your group. Uh, if you haven't yet, I would say make it explicit. Uh, how often are you gonna meet? Uh, how are you gonna honor confidentiality? How will you be in touch with people outside of the meetings and so on? Now, a small group doesn't guarantee spiritual friendship will happen, but I would say it's probably one of those settings where it's most likely to happen. I would say marriages, uh, small groups, churches, uh, organizations, and spiritual friends need covenants to affirm their commitment to one another and to clarify their expectations. David and Jonathan made a covenant and reaffirmed it over and over again. So how do you get into spiritual friendship? It starts with a searching process, and then there's the point where you actually take a relational risk, and then there's a covenant process. All right, so what's the next question? Uh, if these are intimate, soul-connecting, deep, uh, disclosing, heart-bonding spiritual friendships, uh, how many of these can I expect to have? Like, how many spiritual friendships can I expect to have? Now, I've experienced times in my life where several of these relationships developed in a very short time. Uh, they just kind of came as a gift, several of them. And that was a wonderful thing. Uh, but I've also experienced times where for several years, uh, not just one, but for several years, uh, time went by without having one spiritual friendship develop at all. And that was a very 
painful season of my life. And now I'm at the point where uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to devote the kind of time or emotional presence that will uh, be able to sustain more than maybe like three or four of those in my life. Uh, not at the real deep uh, covenantal level. Uh, people wonder sometimes, can it occur between a husband and wife, um, this kind of spiritual friendship? And I would say it can, and sometimes it does, uh, but not always. And I would just counsel you uh, not to force it. Uh, pray about it, talk about it, but if you push too hard with a spouse that resists, uh, the pressure can do more harm than good. Another question about spiritual friendship, will spiritual friendship uh, last a lifetime? And I would say not always. Uh, it's kind of a sad answer. Uh, you know, some do. And those are wonderful things when you look at two people that have walked through a whole lifetime together and invested in each other and kind of shaped each other. Uh, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes someone moves away and there's just, they're just not able to have the same kind of contact anymore. Sometimes there's a conflict or divergence for whatever reason. And when that happens to you, uh, when you've been in a really important spiritual friendship and for whatever reason it ceases, your response is real important. And here's what happens sometimes. Uh, some people get so hurt, they decide they never want to get uh, into a spiritual friendship again. They never want to go through that hurt again. And so they wall themselves off. And that's not a good thing. When a spiritual friendship ends, uh, you have to grieve it. One of the most beautiful of David's Psalms is actually in the first chapter of 2 Samuel, and it's after Saul and Jonathan die. David mourned for Saul, and he commanded the whole nation to mourn. Let all of Israel weep for Saul, he said. But his mourning for Jonathan was personal. He said in 2 Samuel 1, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. Uh, David, of course, was married, uh, but his marriages to a large extent were disasters. But in this friendship, he found what covenantal love could be. And so I would encourage you to allow what is good about spiritual friendship to motivate you to find new ones. Now, David never replaced Jonathan. I mean, that's a really important thing about friends. You, you never replace a friend. In our day, people talk about emotional support networks as if uh, the people in them were just like interchangeable spare parts. Lose one, uh, find another piece for your emotional support network. Uh, a friend is not a spare part. A friend is irreplaceable. Uh, you don't replace a friend, but you can discover your need for friends. And with David, for example, Nathan became a real a crucial friend because David understood from Jonathan he needed someone to speak truth into his life and Nathan did that for him. Well, will they last for a lifetime? Some do, uh, but not all do. And you may have more work to do. And that leads me to the last question. Is spiritual friendship really worth the effort the time and the pain involved. Uh, because I'll just tell you, if you really are willing to do what David and Jonathan did, to go deeper and deeper with another human being, 
then you can just count on it. At certain points, your heart will get broken. It will. But I want you to know that if you don't do that, your heart will get really hard. It may end up really safe, but it'll get really hard. I wish I could just sit down and talk to you one-on-one. Maybe you've never had something like this in your life and you haven't been missing it because you're just not aware of what it could be. It hasn't even been on your radar. Maybe you've had one and for whatever reason it's gone and you feel so lonely, uh, but you're afraid of getting hurt. Maybe you're searching for a spiritual friend right now and for whatever reason you can't find one and you're tempted to give up because it just hurts so much to think about searching more. I want you to know it's worth it. It's worth the search. You know, Jonathan was a great warrior. Uh, he was an heir to the throne. Uh, I think he would have, been a, he would have made a great king. Uh, he probably wanted to be king. But more than he wanted to be king, he wanted to be a friend. And in God's kingdom, that's greatness. More than Jonathan wanted to be called king, he wanted to be called friend. And you know what? So did Jesus. People wanted to make Jesus king, to seize all power and destroy all of their enemies. But there was a title Jesus wanted more, and that title was friend of sinners. He wanted to be your friend. Jesus thinks so highly of friendship that he chose to reject earthly kingship and die on a cross so he could be your friend and mine. And in the kingdom of God, it may be that there is no greater title than the title friend. There is no wonder like the wonder of God honoring covenant-based spiritual friendship. It's worth it. All right, let me pray for you. God, I just wanna pray for those who are watching and listening right now. If they don't have this kind of spiritual friendship in their life, God, I pray that you would open them up to it in a new way. And God, I pray that you would orchestrate their path in such a way that the steps they take would lead them to a place where they could develop this kind of friendship that could potentially mark them and shape them, shape their character and shape their uh, relationship with you in new and profound ways. God, would you bring us to the place where we're open and ready for those friendships when you bring them along? And God, would you bless us in ways that uh, we couldn't even imagine by those people that you bring into our life? And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.